Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mike the Gardener podcast, sponsored by those lovely people at Natural Grower, who supply plant-based products for both organic and chemical-free gardening and your houseplants. Hello, 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 and welcome back to a new series, series four of the Mike the Gardener Gardening Podcast. It's lovely to be back after a short break, and it's summer. And certainly today, I'm recording this in the middle of June, and so this is probably early July when this goes out. And the weather today is beautiful. Blue skies, the sun is shining, and there's some heat, and it's only half past eight in the morning here, so promising. And I'm hoping no matter where you are, you have got some lovely weather too to enjoy your gardens and green spaces in. Well... Exciting things ahead for this fourth series of the podcast. I've got some great gardening personalities lined up and ready to come and chat with me. I'm going out to visit them in their gardens, in their nurseries. So I'm really excited about that. Of course, due to popular demand, there's going to be some more plant specials. So look out for those and lots more exciting things along the way. Now today, my first guest in Series 4 is a returning guest to the podcast. So see if you can guess who this is. It's somebody who appeared in Series 1 of the podcast. He's an expert in his field. He's the world's or one of the world's leading rosarians. And he came to speak to us about growing roses And from that first episode in series one, he told us everything we could possibly need to know about growing the best roses ever. So today, this gentleman is coming along to talk to us about his brand new book, RHS Roses, an inspirational guide to choosing and growing the best roses. Yes, you've guessed it. It's Michael Marriott. And I'm so pleased to be talking to him again. And in fact, I'm very lucky. I have a copy of his new book in front of me. Now, if you are like me, I love my gardening books. I really do. I've got shelf loads of gardening books. And this is a welcome addition to those heavy shelves. Uh, looking here, I mean, the book has got a beautiful feel to it, but covers so much information It really is going to be the new Bible for rose growers. There's rose inspiration in here, rose types, so you can identify the different types of roses, rose selectors, so roses for different positions, and then at the very end of the book, rose care, so how to look after our roses. It really is, as I say, going to be the new Bible for us rose growers. The new book, RHS Roses, An Inspirational Guide to Choosing and Growing the Best Roses, published by DK Books on the 5th of May. There's passion and petals in every page. And I know because I've very been kindly sent a copy by DK Books. You must be delighted with it, Michael. I am actually, yes, yes. It's um, when they first, uh, the RHS or the DK first suggested that I I write the book, I thought, oh gosh, do I really want to? It's it's not my favourite occupation, sitting at a computer, and especially since it was going to be all the summer, really. Yeah. Um, but um, but Rosie, my partner, said, yeah, yeah, go on, do it. And so I was persuaded. And I'm a one one finger typer, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the advantage was that um, a lot of it is in my head. 
Mm. You know, so uh, I didn't have to spend hours. I mean, I had to do a certain amount of research, of course, but a lot of it is in my head. And so, and it was actually from that point of view, it was good because it was it was a good way of getting my thoughts uh, onto paper and being able to share them with people. And it's always been my passion to, my uh, ambition to, to make or to make people realise that roses are wonderful things, and also make um, make realise actually they're very easy to grow if you just basically choose the right variety. Yeah, well, I remember when you joined me on the podcast, that was last April, after we'd finished recording, you mentioned you were about to start writing the book. Uh, so <laughs> you've, you've just finished. So it was it literally from that was about April time through until now when it's published. That's how long it takes generally to get a book together. I think um, from what I hear, I was put under a, quite a lot of pressure, uh, given <laughs> a fairly short deadline to do it. Uh, which actually suited me fine. I like to have deadlines. You know, if I'm given a task to do, I, I, I like to have a deadline to do it by. So I, I think I finished, basically finished writing it in, uh, I don't know, about October, something like that. But then those sort of bits and pieces came back for me to check and things like that. I think it was all done and dusted by November, something like that. And then okay. The so how did the book come about? How did it come about? Well, um, Chris Young, um, who used to be the editor of the Garden magazine, I've known him for many years, yeah. and uh, so he knows that I'm, you know, I know a thing or two about roses. <laughs> and uh, so it was he actually who who suggested that I that I write it because he he left the editorship of the Garden and started to work for for DK, and I think sort of headhunting, I think for suitable titles and suitable authors. Yeah, um, I think he's a consultant gardening publisher at DK Books now. Is that his official title? I, I think so. I think so. I might be wrong on that one. So apologies, Chris, if that is wrong, but I think that's the title. Yeah. So, so it's he who suggested it. And um, yeah, everybody seemed to be enthusiastic about it. So, um, yeah. So, so some initial, some initial reservations, again, because of the process of writing the book during the summer and, as you say, one finger typing. Well, just, just literally one finger, you know, the, the other <laughs> finger... The other thing, it does the capitals and this one does everything else. <laughs> I think I'm about 50% quicker than you just. I can just about do two or three fingers at one at one time. Oh, right. So the, the idea of the book is suggested to you. What is the process? How do you know what the content is? Do, do DK guide you on that? Or do, you, do they just say, Michael, come up with the book for us? No, I... I um... Uh, there was some good, very good guidelines uh, given to me about uh, what it should contain. And that one of the, the main parts of the book really is um, is, is helping to make people realise that roses are incredibly versatile. You know, you can plant mm. just about every single part of the garden, except for the pond, maybe. You know, <laughs> not so good in the pond. And I mean, there's some actually which are great in boggy areas, some of the American, North American species grow very happily in boggy areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, what it is, a main, a main part of the book is that um, the, the there's a list of situations in the garden, so like different positions in the border, or we might want to choose a, a rose, particularly good rose for scent, or, um, or for walls, or for encouraging wildlife into the garden, all sorts of things like that. So it's my recommendations of sort of 10 or 20 of what I think as the, the best varieties for those different locations in the garden. And I think that would be extremely useful because 
you know, you, you get a you get an Austin catalogue or a Beals catalogue or, or whoever you look online or Harkis or something like that, and mm. and and you just don't know where to start. You just can get confused. There's so many pink roses, um, yeah. and and you know you, you've got to try and uh, you know obviously they're going to be enthusiastic about all the roses, but you know how, how good are they really? And will they cope with slightly difficult positions? So it's roses varieties that I know will be really good, really tough, really reliable, really mm. healthy, but also importantly, uh, really beautiful. And I'm I'm very keen on that that, the, that roses, uh, any plant in the garden, should be you know not just free flowering, but that actually beauty is what we want in the garden. Absolutely. So not only do you provide sort of guidance on on the rose selector section of the book, but there's also rose inspiration. So you look at different rose gardens, planting combinations, which to me, I, I love great planting combinations, colour effects. It's all included in the book. Yes, and I, I think the, the best way of growing roses actually um, is rather than a rose garden, you know, which is a monoculture and causes mm. problems. I mean, it can be spectacular, but it's not so easy. But just mix them up with other plants in the garden. And, you know, the obvious choice is perennials, but of course there's biennials or the foxgloves and vivascums and things like that, or the laryngeums. Uh, some annuals are, are lovely, and I always go on and on about Facelia tanacitifolia, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds plant. wonderful. <laughs> yes, um, which is just the most wonderful plant, uh, incredibly attractive to bees, and it's a sort of a bluey lilac colour, um, so contrasts very nicely um, with with roses, and, yeah. and it's so easy to grow. Uh, and very good for the ground as well. But then, of course, you, you know, a rose is a flowering shrub, so there's no reason why you shouldn't put them in with other flowering shrubs. So, you know, they're, they're just uh, wonderful plants. But again, uh, uh, as you said, people, they, they um, it, it's, if you don't know the plants, it's, it's difficult to know what goes well with them. Mm. And so since I've been doing it for a few years now, um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, I've got some good ideas of what goes well with, with what in the rose world. And I think with roses, for me personally, the biggest lesson I learned when planting a garden is covering the legs, as I call them, because they can get a little bit leggy at the bottom. And I like to have the roses above um, a bed of geraniums or napita or whatever, it, just to sort of hide the rather unattractive legs well it, i mean people go on about this and and i always say well you know what about other deciduous flowering shrubs you know have they not got bare legs <laughs> <laughs> and and so and but also it, it depends very much on the variety so yes hybrid teas um are, are very guilty of having rather long bare legs but actually if you choose the right sort of shrub rose, um, mm. then they can have lovely rounded growth uh, and not have bare legs at all. But then, of course, that's the thing is if you choose a taller variety that is that may be a bit barer underneath, uh, then you put it in the middle of the border and, and then you plant, as you say, a, a geranium or a yeah. or something in front. But also you can encourage lower growth, more rounded growth by pruning. So rather than just pruning flat on top, you prune it in a more rounded way to encourage um, uh, to encourage growth to to go down to the ground or towards the ground at least. Yeah, and I remember when we spoke on the podcast last time. I was at Hort College a hundred years ago, 
and we were taught to cut above a bud on a sloping cut and to have it open like a vase shape and I remember at the time you told me well actually things have moved on and those sort of techniques were maybe for older roses and for a long time ago and things have changed haven't they oh absolutely I think they're they're, they're um those are all the rules that were made up by people who wanted to show roses you know who wanted to grow the perfect uh, bloom for the show bench uh, and also very much for hybrid teas as well uh, and so nowadays um i, I i'm I'm very keen on encouraging people to not regard pruning as something difficult. I mean, I say to people, you know, you can just basically chop it down to about halfway, taking no regard of where you're cutting in relation to the bud uh, or the angle or anything like that. Um, uh, and then just, if it's a few years old, cut out the oldest stems to encourage some new young growth and obviously if there's any dead or disease stuff cut that out as well mm. and that's it you know that's as complicated as it needs to be and if you do that you're, you're sort of 75 percent of the way there uh, and and that's when the fun starts i think of, of gardening you know you start to become a bit of an expert then you, you, you start to realize that well maybe that variety i'll prune in that way and another variety of prune slightly differently or or actually the same variety can be pruned in very different ways because some, you know, depending on how you prune them and where you grow them, they can either be tall shrubs or short shrubs, or they can be a, a shrub or a climber. So, uh, you know, that's when, as I say, that's when gardening becomes more interesting is when you start, you know, to think for yourself rather than just sort of copying books and copying diagrams, which is very difficult, actually. Very yeah. Difficult. And I know for a lot of people, when you start mentioning the P word, pruning, people sort of run in trepidation. Oh, gosh, I, I can't do this. But that's one thing that you do with the book. You dispel those myths about there's an art to it or there's a, a specific technique. Uh, as you say, you can actually just go in and cut where you need to cut. You don't need to worry about the sloping cut and buy a bud. Um, something that I have learned from you, say, which is <laughs> flew in the face of what I was taught at Kingston Moorwood College many hundreds of years ago. Yes, oh, absolutely. And uh, and of course, it takes so long if you if you do it by the old fashioned way, mm. uh, because, you know, you've got you've got to search for that outward pointing bud, you know, and then you've got to sort of measure that quarter of an inch or whatever it is <laughs> and uh it's it's so tedious whereas you know pruning should be fun so you know just go, go around and, and do it quickly it, I, it takes me a fraction of the time yeah I remember seeing on Gardener's World uh, many years ago, they actually did an experiment where they took a chainsaw to some shrub roses and literally just chainsawed them across and of course they grew away and they flowered uh, so I think that for me gave me the confidence to know that I shouldn't be afraid of pruning. You can just get in there and you learn, as you say, you look at the different types of rows, which you explain in the book, and then you just learn to actually manipulate the plant so that it does what it needs to do for you in your garden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, that was a very interesting experiment that, and because they, they, they compared it to um, pruning in the traditional way where they it's very hot, pruned up very hard and they, they cleared out all the little uh, smaller twigs. But of mm. course, those smaller twigs, even though they may not produce any flowers, they produce leaves. And what are leaves there for? But to photosynthesize and make the plant stronger. Yeah. And so by cutting all of that out, you, you might produce you know, one or two strong stems, but actually it's a weaker plant uh, as, a, as a result. 
Um, the, the disadvantage of just going across with, with hedge trimmers or whatever uh, is that then the trimmings fall back into the rows and then you've got the nasty job of having to pick out cut yeah. stems, thorny cut stems from in between it. Uh, and also if you keep on doing that year after year after year, you're not addressing the issue of stems gradually, gradually getting older or the stems dying and things like that. So uh, I personally, I, I hate it, anything sort of petrol and mechanical. <laughs> and yeah, and it's, it's, it's noisy and it's, and it's, it's got much greater potential to, to do harm. Um, so, and, and I like to be able to get in there with the sectors and, and uh, do it by hand, much more pleasant. And of course, there's the pollution to the environment as well with Absolutely. petrol um, tools, which I hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about rose types. And again, this is something you cover in the book, the different types of roses, the damasks, the rugosas, the climbers, the modern shrubs. Um, everything is actually recovered within the book. So again, sort of like because there are so many different roses out there, mm. it does focus you as a gardener to actually work out what you need in your garden, what, how it will work, how it will grow. Yeah, yes. Um, I, I think people have a very narrow idea of, of what roses there are available. Go on to a garden centre, you know, and you'll see, you'll see David Austin's English roses, we see hybrid teas and floribundas and climbers, maybe a rambler or two or something like that. But a lot of people uh, don't know about the, the shrub roses uh, and things like hybrid must and as you know, the, the true old roses, the mm. The, the Gallicas and Damask and Albers and all, all of that lot, and and I I I get rather cross with people who who say, oh no, I don't want a, a, a once flowering rose in my garden. I only want repeat flowering roses. And you know, <laughs> the reality, of course, is that um, uh, the old roses actually, the once flowering old roses actually still flower a lot longer than your average lilac or or. Camassia or peony or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and so why dismiss some such beautiful, characterful uh, plants mm. just because it doesn't repeat flower? And there was actually there was somebody posted a, a, a thing on a, a posting on, on Instagram yesterday or day before. And she posted beautiful semi-double yellow rose. How she hated it because it didn't flower, didn't repeat flower. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a thing of beauty at the time it flowers. Yeah. And for yeah, a good a period of, of time, probably. You'll set hips as well. You yeah. know? So then you've got the, the beauty in, in the autumn, the hips, um, which are then potentially useful to food for the birds. Um, and some of them have glorious autumn colour as well. So, um, yes, I, 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 um, I designed a big garden for some of the very wealthy people in, uh, in Belgium many years ago. And she said, right at the start, I only want repeat flowering roses. But you know, she wanted about two, three thousand roses. So I, I snuck a few, two, three once flowering roses in, but she spotted them. Oh, really? <laughs> what have I you had done? To change them. <laughs> you had to change them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes, but you know, they're, they're going to look glorious during the summer. And then yeah. come autumn, there'll be the odd patch of green. Well, so what? You know? Well, with a sea of two to three thousand roses, the odd. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, people, people. Yes. You mentioned at the very beginning when I asked you about the writing process that you obviously you've got a lot of the knowledge anyway, one of the world's leading rosarians. But do you go to anybody just to check or to sort of like um, exchange words sort of like, is this right? Is, has, is this um, is this information correct? Oh, uh, I'm learning something every day. 
you know, I, mean, yeah. that, I think that's the fascinating um, aspect of horticulture. It's always something to learn. I mean, there's such a vast array of plants out there, um, that, you know, new species, new varieties, new techniques, new ways of growing things. Um, so fascinating. And it, 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 uh, the rose world is, is, is no different. I mean, there's always new varieties coming on the market. I may not like all of them, but mm. some of them are, <laughs> are, are extremely lovely. And one of the things that breeders are concentrating on very hard at the moment is uh, um, uh, developed varieties that are as absolutely as healthy as possible, which mm. is uh, very, very important. Uh, and, you know, you always sort of <laughs> learn about or, or see beautiful associations of, of one rose with, with another plant or something like that. So, and you know, I'm, I, um, it's not, it's, I look at roses around the world. Mm. So, you know, so there's a, the whole world of roses, literally to learn new things from, you know, so it's, it's fascinating. Endlessly. It, it, it's, it is fascinating, but it also sounds like quite a, a long, a big job to sort of keep abreast of everything, new introductions, new techniques for growing. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you try your best and, <laughs> and uh, keep in discussion with people. And that's where actually Instagram is, is so valuable. I think mm. it's because, um, people are forever posting, uh, maybe new varieties or, or how beautiful it looks uh, in their garden and what survives say cold weather they you know especially places like the states up in northern, uh, northern uh, states of uh, of the states um you know what varieties are hardy in say um, chicago or somewhere like that uh, and what varieties can cope with the heat of texas or, or florida mm. or something like that uh, and there tend to be quite a lot of different varieties over there to what we have available uh, over here. And so actually there's a North American edition that I've also did, which is okay. very similar apart from the varieties. So some of the varieties are common to both, but um, there's, there's quite a few varieties that are specific only to, to North America. And the other, the, the other great thing about it, of course, is that the horticultural world and the rose world uh, are just full of lovely people you know. yeah very much so uh, uh, you know you, uh, I'm so looking forward to going to Chelsea and, and meeting up with old friends uh, and last year you know, uh, on the on the Monday spent most of the time saying hello to people and chatting away which is a bit frustrating actually <laughs> it was so nice to see people that I'd known for, for such I'm meeting new people of course yeah I think that's the the dilemma, isn't it, with the flower shows? You you go to look at the gardens, at the plants, um, but there's so many people, and you can spend as much time chatting to people. And you're conscious you're looking at your watch, thinking, "My goodness me, I've not actually been into the great pavilion. I've not seen no, the show gardens." That's right. Yeah. So you'll be at Chelsea on Monday. Yeah. Oh, yeah so we're so very lucky. For... To, very lucky to uh, to have a chance to be there on Monday because it's uh, it's such a delight not uh, not having to battle with the with the crowds and be able to see the gardens easily especially mm -hmm. the little court is it the courtyard ones the smaller yeah. ones at the bottom there it's in always, Manila Gardens yeah yeah there was so crowded so yeah yeah oh well, let's hope for a sunny day let's hope for a sunny day absolutely and talking of the sun you obviously had to write the book through the summer last year 
Are you one of those lucky people that can just sit down and write whatever the time of day, or do you need to be in the right space or in the right frame of mind to be able to write productively? Um, I was fairly disciplined, actually. Um, and Rosie, my partner, was uh, always said, oh, yes, you're good at that. So, you know, I'd, I'd sit down in the morning and, and um, do it for two, three hours or whatever. Um, I, I, I did it where I'm sitting now, so I actually I'm looking out onto the garden. And uh, now and again, I had to dash out and get a bit of <laughs> fresh air and, and a bit of garden to look at. And so, I mean, the garden did, and the allotment, we've got two allotments and, and about an acre of garden. So the, the garden did suffer a bit mm. uh, last year. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit better this year. I've still still got a lot of things to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds very familiar. Needs, <laughs> the hard work needs to be done in the early part of the year to actually lay pave the way for the rest of the season. I find. Yeah, uh, yeah. So 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 much for being retired. It's what everybody says. <laughs> you, 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 yeah. you, you retire and then oh. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned Rosie, your partner just then, uh, to whom the book is dedicated. And who didn't like roses until fairly recently? My goodness, I almost fell off the chair when I read that. Everybody likes roses. Well, it's interesting because you said earlier on about bare legs, and she always said, "Oh, but roses have have all these awful bare legs." You know, <laughs> this, this this sort of often oft repeated uh, comment about um, roses having bare legs, which I get. A bit irritated about because actually, you know, some do, but most of them don't. Mm. So, uh, and also, there's no, as I said, there's no difference between that and sort of um, deciduous flowering shrubs, really. And yeah, what do what, yeah, do, yeah. Perennial, what do perennials look like in winter? You know, well, what, yeah, a heap, a heap of soggy leaves. You know, if, if anything at all, really. So, as per as per our conversation last time on the podcast, Michael, I need to go away and have a look, a good look at the book, and reevaluate these legs. And um, <laughs> in all fairness, I do have roses in the middle of a, a border, yeah. and I want them up high. Um, yeah. So, of course, I do want to cover yeah. those legs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, Ro Ro Rosie, uh, she didn't like them. She took she um, it took her some time to pluck up the courage to actually tell me that she didn't, she didn't <laughs> that's a very difficult thing to say isn't it <laughs> when you're sort of the partner of the, one of the world's leading rosarians like, well, actually, i don't quite like roses <laughs> but, but actually she really loves them now and actually they i think you know that we split up the garden into two so the his and her mm. areas so mm. because we're both passionate gardeners but we don't agree completely about how you know each should be gardened so um <laughs> So actually, she's—I think she's got quite a few more roses in her part of the garden than in mine, and she's got a lot of sort of English roses and assorted shrub roses. Whereas I've got nearly all species roses or near species hybrids in, in my part of the garden because it, it's a much wilder uh, feel to it. So, in your respective gardens, do you have preferred colour palettes, each of you? Um, no, I don't think so. No, um, I think she. She, she, she loves colour. So I think she would. Um, she's uh, her colour spectrum is much wider, you know. So she, she'd happy for, uh, be happy to for going for some slightly outrageous colours sometimes, which I don't always, <laughs> and also shapes of plants. I mean, some of the tulips she planted this year struggled with a bit. <laughs> but having because said that, the colour or the shape, both, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and. 
but then I've planted tulip springeri in my in my wild meadow, um, which I'm not convinced about at all. I, it's I just planted it fairly recently, and it's such a bright red. Mm. How little uh, a moment it's it's surrounded by your buttercups, and the yellow hawk bits are just coming out, and there's a speedwell, and the orchids won't be too far behind. And so I'm. It, you know, as I said earlier on, you know, that's the great thing about gardens, just experiment. Yeah. If it doesn't work, then you can, you've got the chance to move it to another part of the garden or exactly. give it away to a friend. Or if you all just chuck it away, actually plants aren't that expensive. I mean, that's the last resort to chuck them away. Mm. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, and as John and Leslie Jenkins from Wilson Old Hall say, you know, they, they go around and, and look critically at their garden every evening. And if something isn't right, they'll change it or in change a basically it. strange, strange way. And that's the fun of gardening. Just maintaining a garden is, I, I enjoy that. Mm. But actually, the fun of gardening is trying to achieve something really beautiful. And you do that by looking carefully at them, at, at what you've got there and, and you know, thinking, well, that doesn't quite, those colours don't go very well together or that plant is too tall or whatever, and then change it. And that's what I enjoy about my garden. I love the editing process when you when it comes up each year yeah. and something doesn't sit comfortably with you. Yeah. You make a note, and then in the autumn you dig up, you change, you move, yeah. and, and it's just a continually ongoing process. A garden is never finished; it's just yeah. always being edited and changed. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a, <clears throat> such a good thing to do. And in fact, many plants uh, will be quite happy to be moved in the summer. You know, mm. you, you chop them down um, and um, chop them down to you know, a few inches or whatever. Uh, make sure the roots don't dig them up. Make sure the roots don't dry out at all. Replant, give it a jolly good soaking. Uh, and with 99% um, of the time, they'll grow away. Grow away all. again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even roses. Yeah. And roses move remarkably well, even 40 years old and, and moving them and still very successful. I think yes. I people have these um, sort of concerns about moving plants. Um, peonies is another one. Oh, you, you don't move a peony. Well, I've just moved a peony. Well, in the autumn, and it's actually flowered better this year than it yeah. has done in the previous three years. So yeah. some of these myths do need to be dispelled. And actually, sometimes if a rose, if a plant isn't doing very well, um, maybe it's because there's something wrong with that position or something wrong with the soil. And actually moving them. Or maybe they, you know, the the roots haven't escaped from, from you know, it was root bound when mm. you planted, and the roots haven't got up. And, and actually, re, digging it up, replanting, often works a treat. And as soon as you move them, I've, uh, there's um, uh, uh, Hamamelis virginiana that I planted in the wrong place, and a, and a uh, Corylopsis as well. Um, and uh, they both were absolutely miserable where they were. Um, and I moved them, and. Oh, Yep. <laughs> sprung into life happy yeah. as anything now i've done the same myself just this week i had a, a small magnolia stellata which was again looking particularly miserable and it has done for a couple of years i've moved well, i've repotted it just for the time being but already yeah it's sort of like oh thank goodness you've yes. moved me it's thank you thank you thank you yeah absolutely um, going back to the book, we've, we've talked about the words, but we also need to cover the photography. There's some sumptuous, beautiful pictures throughout the book. Um, photographers, Marianne Majorus, Jason Ingram, Clive Nichols, Andrea Jones, and Jonathan Buckley, to name a few. 
How does that process work? Do you commission them or are they pictures that they've already taken that you've selected? Yeah, um, I said right at the start, I, I warned them, I'm I'm very fussy about pictures because uh, one of my main jobs actually at David Austin is working with um, professional photographer Howard Rice and a lot of the photographs in there are, are Howard Rice's. And we actually spend about 20, 25 years going around together um, looking for beautiful roses and gardens and, and taking pictures. Uh, and so we made, I think, a very, very good combination because I, you know, I, I knew what I knew where to um, to find the or to spot the rose at its perfect stage. Um, right. You know, so some people they don't realise that rose. You know, they, they look at it. That's beautiful. But actually, if you just wait another day or two, it'd actually be even more beautiful. That's more. It's more beautiful stage. Um, and also combinations and things like that. So uh, I would sort of, and also I'd find the beautiful gardens and then um, he would take the, the fantastic photographs. He's very, very fussy. He's very uh, pernickety, um, if that's the right word, about getting everything just right, you know. So I'd actually often be scrambling around on my hands and knees having to um, pull up weeds or, <laughs> or pick off a dead flower or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, so, so the, the books, there's a picture researcher mm. and, um, and she was very good. And so she, she, she showed them to me and I, I, I said, that, that's the one that I want. Or, you know, sometimes none of them were any good. And, and I've got very good contacts all around the world. So yeah. if she said well, she, she just can't find a picture of a certain variety, I'd send off an, e an email to somebody in California or Australia or something like that. And lo and behold. A couple of hours later, who are the pictures? <laughs> it's 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 knowing it's knowing the right people. I'm, I mean, I've got the book in front of me now, and I'm just flicking through the pages and looking at the images. And there's not a bad picture here, as you say. I, it's catching that bloom just the perfect perfect time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And 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 the composition and things like that. There's there's one photograph in there which I'm a bit disappointed about, but but the rest I'm, I'm pretty happy about. But we won't mention that one then because everybody <laughs> will head towards that. So I mean the the whole layout and design of the book. It's a it's a beautiful book. How much are you involved with the design of the book, or or do you hand that over to the publishers? Yeah, I, I very much to to DK. You know, they're they're the professionals from that point of view. I I, I supply the words and 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 um, select the good photographs. But from design point of view, I'm I'm uh, you know, that's that's not my forte at all. I'm very happy to pass that over to to them uh, and and be completely responsible for it. Well, I have to say, I was very kindly sent a copy of this book just a few days ago, and I'm sure so many people have already said this to you, but it's going to be, and were you conscious at the time, this is going to be a Bible for so many gardeners going forward? Is that at the back of your mind? Not, no, not really at all, <laughs> actually, no, I just, no, no, I'm, and it's lovely people are saying that, uh, absolutely wonderful, so yeah, I'm very pleased with it, yes, very pleased. So now, when you go on holiday, they say yeah. the first thing you do when you come back is book the next holiday. So now you've, <laughs> are you working on, is there another book buzzing around? Do you, have you got a sort of, has it wet your appetite? <laughs> I'm not falling over backwards to, to write another <laughs> book. Um, but actually, I, I I enjoyed it, or maybe enjoy is the wrong word. I didn't dislike it as much as I thought. <laughs> um, and, and funnily enough, um, 
Sunday in the States um, is in the process of writing an interesting book. And uh, she suggested that, uh, that, that I might write, write, she's got an idea for another book that she's suggesting might be uh, of interest to me. So um, we shall see. Watch this space, watch <laughs> yes. this space. You mentioned Instagram just a moment ago, um, how people sort of show plants off on Instagram. And of course, now you yourself are no stranger to Instagram with, with Rosie. You have your Saturday 10 at 10. How are you finding forays into social media? I enjoy it, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that 10 at 10 is very much Rosie's. I just sort of tag in and, and say the odd odd word here and there. So she, <laughs> she's very much the mastermind behind that. And, and she's very good at it, uh, thinks about it very carefully. Uh, mine, I just sort of try to post um, what I think is beautiful in the garden or, or whatever is of, of interest. Uh, and then, of course, I've got my other Instagram account as chairman of the Historic Roses Group. Um, I've um, I've started that up uh, okay. about a month ago or something like that. And, and where uh, do we find that on Instagram? Uh, historic underscore roses underscore group. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. one for us all to look out for then. I should yeah. be heading heading yeah. there after we finish talking. And that is purely roses, um, uh, purely old roses as well. But of course, old roses um, is no hard and fast definition of what an, what an old rose is. So very roughly, it's from... Well, it includes things like the hybrid musks and the early hybrid teas, uh, which mm -hmm. are very different to the modern hybrid teas, and some of the older flowering shrubs. And of course, all the climbers and ramblers, and all the you know Bourbons, Port Portlands, teas, chinas, um, and gallicas, damask, all, all that sort of thing as well. So there, some of the pictures are ones that I've taken, and then others, if I see somebody has taken a beautiful photograph and of. of um, of an old rose on Instagram, I say, you know, would you mind awfully if I, if I use that on the historic roses group? And of course, they're they're delighted. With of course, they are. Yeah. yeah. And then I talk, talk. Um, of course, I credit them, and then um, uh, um, talk a bit about the rose. You know, its history and and how valuable it is in the garden. Of course, there's some beautiful photographs out there uh, of of roses. Um, and but, talking of beautiful photographs. Um, people who go on your Todd tours will be able to take beautiful photographs of some of the gardens you're going to. So tell us a little bit about Todd tours, in case anybody doesn't know. Well, Todd start, start, um, stands for two old duffers. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's Rosie and I, because we're <laughs> of a certain age and um, not terribly um, uh, good on on computers and all that sort of stuff. We, we um, it was Rosie's idea. She year before last, she thought uh, it would be nice because we'd been locked away because of COVID uh, for, for a long time to start up looking at some very special gardens because we, we've been in the horticulture world for such a long time. We know a great variety of people uh, and who own most fantastic gardens. Mm. And so, quite a few of them only open on a on rarely basis. Uh, and so uh, the numbers are very much limited to 15 because we try to go around as a group. So Rosie and I, we, we maybe see things that other people don't. Mm. Uh, and also we try and possibly enroll the, um, the help of the owner or the, the head gardener or, or whatever. And, um, and people are actually loving it. Uh, and so 
we've launched we've launched I don't know about um, ten or twelve this year or something like that, and they all but one has sold out, uh, and some of them sold out before we even launched them. <laughs> Give us a flavour of some of the gardens you're going to this um, year. Uh, this year, um, well, one of the special ones really looking forward to is, is Folly Farm uh, in Oxfordshire, which is a very very private garden, uh, and Dan Pearson had quite a lot to do with that one. Um, then we're going to some uh, wonderful rose gardens in Shropshire, Preen Manor, um, Stokesay Flowers, who, who grow cut flowers, and uh, Cottage Herbery, which is mm-hmm. these um, herbs for, 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 for people to grow. Um, down in Wiltshire, we're going to do um, three wonderful gardens there, Sophie Conran's garden, um, Cadenham Park Manor, uh, which has got lots of old roses, and uh, Bainton Flowers, and... Uh, she she specialized we won't see them but specializes in the historic tulips wow and then um uh dorset uh that's dorset wall garden and charlie mccormick so yeah they're all all special gardens in mm. some way uh, that we'll all learn a lot from well as a previous attendee of one of your todd tours i came to board hill with you and one other garden and had a wonderful day so if anybody's interested i know you there's only a few spaces left but where can people there's there's one one tour which is not sold out and that's um cumbria cumbria Uh, and that actually should be really good because that's to um lather castle where there's a big new rose garden and of course the the ruins of the Castle has been planted up again by Dan Pearson. And Levens, which has got amazing topiary, a lot of garden people, I didn't realize that, lots of garden apart from the topiary. And I think a really interesting trip to the people um, who make this um, compost out of bracken and sheep's wool. Um, oh. uh, and I've just forgotten their names now. Uh, and they, you see them at Chelsea every year. Okay, um, I'll try and find out, and I'll put a link in the podcast. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so we'll, we'll be able to talk to the owners of that and um, and you'll find out all about it. Oh, that's brilliant. And their, their compost is fantastic, actually. It's frustrating. I can't remember the name of it now. I'll see, I'll see if I can find out, or if you remember yeah. afterwards, drop me a line, and I'll pop I a will, link yeah. on the We've got podcast. Some here, so I'll soon find out. Okay. <laughs> Where do people find out more information about Todd Tours? Well, there's a website. I mean, I've got a website, Michael Marriott Rosarian, I think it's called. Uh, but if you just Google Todd Garden Tours, uh, then you should be able to direct. So it's part of the Michael Marriott um, Rosarian website. Okay, thank you for that. Oh, again, I'll pop a link on that for everybody to see so they Great. can head and have a look at the gardens you're going to. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I know you're extremely busy with interviews and podcasts and chats. Good luck with the new book. Not that you'll need luck. It's doing particularly well, I I understand. And, And lovely to chat to you again. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Michael and it was great to have him back on the podcast. If you want more information about Michael, head to his website, michaelmarriottrosarian.org, as one word, and you can find out more about him and what they're up to on their Todd tours and where they're going. And the book is RHS Roses, An Inspirational Guide to Choosing and Growing the Best Roses, and that is published through DK Books. And say, here in front of me now, and it's a beauty. I love it. Now, we've got plenty more going on in the podcast. And in fact, next week, 
I have got a new little featurette. I think it's a featurette. And I will be heading to the allotment of a very good friend of mine, Otis the Gardener. Now, Otis the Gardener and his partner have just taken on a new allotment from scratch. It's literally grass as we speak. So I'm going to be catching up with Otis and Ben to find out how they actually go about getting the allotment being productive. So I'll be heading up there next week. And I'm also going to be chatting to other allotmenteers. And next week I chat to Lynn and Peter about their allotment, which has been around for a few more years. So they're a little bit further along their journey. My goodness, I've used the J word again. So that's next week and it's the slot from the plot. So an occasional feature heading up to the allotment to see how it's all going. And I know a lot of you love Grow Your Own. And it's something that whilst I did at college, I don't really do in my own garden here. So it will give us all an opportunity to see what works, what's not working so well, how they're overcoming obstacles. And I know there's going to be a few obstacles along the way. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to contact me with ideas or comments about the podcast, you can send me an email at mikethegardener01 at gmail.com and that's Mike with an M-I-C. Alternatively, you could follow me on Instagram where I'm Mike underscore the gardener and that's Mike with an M-I-K-E and the gardener as one word. Now, I'm fairly active on Instagram and in fact, if you fancy having a closer look at my garden or even seeing me in action, I do regular weekly lives on a Sunday morning at 10am British summer time and spend about an hour wandering around the garden, showing what's actually happening, talking about what jobs need to be done and answering all of your questions or as many questions as I can answer within the hour. It's quite a lively session on a Sunday morning, so do come and join me on Instagram. And you can also direct message me on Instagram about the podcast and about my Instagram. And in fact, anything plant or gardening oriented, it's always lovely to hear from you. If you haven't already, do follow and subscribe because there's lots more to come. And if you're able to leave a review, that would be great so other people can see what your thoughts are about the podcast. Good and bad, good and bad. So if you're able to leave a review, that would be great. And in the meantime, I'm heading off out into the garden now to enjoy the sunshine while it lasts. So I will see you next week. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.